because they're used to grabbing and climbing. That's the first thing. You know, they can't walk yet. They can't even crawl. But they, so they grab on you and they climb up and they hold. And their finger, feet try to hold. And that's like the mind. The mind holds on to something. Because, and it's because of its lack of recognition of nothing. Yeah? Nothing, the way is open like this. This is how, this is the posture of nothing. This is the posture of something. Yeah? When something leaves, there's still a clinging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a contraction of the sense of being a self. That's what it is. It's a contraction. It's like the mind becomes identified as that mental process, and instead of like this, open and totally available and able to entertain, it's now closing, 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 and contracting. Yeah? And all of that, all of that attention and interest spread out now becomes interested and attentive to this. It's like putting a very huge foot in a very small shoe. (laughs) It's going to be uncomfortable, yeah? Jam it in there. (laughs) This is about just seeing you're not that, that point of... And then what would happen? When the interest and attention is free from this contraction, it expands, yeah? That's a dualistic experience here. Everything is based on dualism. Every breath you take is dualistic. Inhale, exhale. And there's always a a space in between. Yeah? That point of neutrality. Yeah? Left, right, brain, the left, right eye. Back, front. You know, there's never one-sided coin. It's always two-sided coin. It's either either or, yes or no. It's a dualistic uh, interpretation. Mind is defined as a split, yes? And so it sees everything split. So that contraction of interest and attention, called absorption in self, absorption in the product of a mental process, contracts. So that you take yourself to be a body. I mean, it's unbelievable contraction. Something that's so open and can contract to such a point that it consumes itself as a body. And his interest and attention is looping around this idea of being a me. <laughs> All that interest and attention is going to create a crazy planet. <laughs> because this interest and attention is pretty damn awesome to be circling around a mental idea. <laughs> of course that mental idea is going to go neurotic. It's going to get perverse. It's going to start eating itself. It's just too much attention for it to take, yet it wants it all. Well, as it's burning, it's gleeful, because it's got all the attention, and to me, it's a, the mental process, its food is attention. So there's mind, and I don't know, you know, you may not, I can't, can't give you the definition of what I'm attempting to say as mind, but mind, let's say space, a good example of it. Let's see here. Mind. We came in here. We did this the other night. I come in here, and this chair has been here for 40 years. Many, many, many great people and lesser people have sat in. There's thousands of stories based on this chair. This chair is like profoundly, it's it's a very, it's like a a heritage chair, yes? And so, okay. Now, it looks like the chair is there. 
and now I'm going to move the chair. And I've made, a, I've made some precautions. I've gotten the space that I can fill up the space back with space that this chair was taking. Okay? Now watch, it's like a magician. I'm going to remove the chair. Now, do you see its lack of space until I put it there? Space? No. Does, does this chair, even if it was there 80 years, is there any echo of it in space? No. If you look at that space, can you get this feeling that there was a chair once there? No. No. Did it? Was there, an, was the space, did space, did the chair move space out and take it up? In other words, in, in the realm of space, does the chair have any reality except as an appearance in this space? As soon as the appearance is moved, there is a, for all intents and purposes, there isn't a chair. Now, was there one to begin with? It's an appearance, yeah? It's an appearance of space, of space, the same essence in space. in this room is different than this space and that there's a wall here that there's actually a door that has moved space out. So if we took all, if we weighed all the weight of all the things in the planet yeah, <laughs> and we weighed them and we took them all out would it change the weight of space? No. Not at all. So in fact in a sense it's like we're here in this space of this ocean of space, and the mind has taken itself to be a wave, and because I've taken myself to be a wave, I see you as a wave. And in the seeing you as a wave, it excludes me in seeing from the space. Because if I saw from the space, I wouldn't take you that importantly as a wave. Yeah? So in a sense, the wave of the drama of being a wave would be extracted very quickly if I realized you weren't a wave. But when it's a wave and a wave, we can make up a whole new story about what it's like to be a wave, what's going to happen to the wave, what, and of course time is put into it. So what did happen to the wave? And it's all about wave, but there's a loss of the sense of being the ocean. And what most people are trying to point out, like say St. Francis and everything, by saying a simple statement like, what's looking is what you're looking for, is that the wave is the ocean. But not as, it's, it's the ocean, but not as a wave, but as the appearance of the wave. Just like this chair is just an appearance in space. It's not a real thing that's moving the real thing called space out of the way to take its place. It's an appearance of it. And when it leaves, it leaves no mark in the space it left. And in fact, that's what we're like. If you could go back to the place you committed, quote-unquote, your most heinous act, there wouldn't be any sort of etheric memory there that you'd see, that's where I really put my foot in my mouth 30 years ago and broke up my first marriage. No, it would look like as nothing ever happened in that space.
of this face. <laughs> it's not denying your appearance as this. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> Space isn't denying your appearance. The appearance is trying to deny its appearance. That's the point. That's the pointless journey. <laughs> Realize, hey, let this be as real as it wants to be. It's not real. Let it be as real as let as soon as, as long as you're trying to make it unreal, you're making it as real as real can be to you. Yeah, it's a real weird, weird thing. But if you let it be as real as it wants to be, it shows its nature. It's unreal. So here, <laughs> like we used the, 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 the analogy of the uh, sky. So there's the sky, and uh, it's 4th of July. Like we went to some place and we saw the 4th of July fireworks. They were very lousy. <laughs> they shot about five things, like, pew, pew. Was that it? Oh, hundreds of people showed up, and then they just broke up. What the hell was that? Five minutes, ping, ping, ping. But there it is. <laughs> so when it all occurred, did it leave a hole in the sky? All those explosions, did it? Did a plane, when the plane's flying in the air, does it say, uh-oh, controls, we just bumped into some sky up here. No, it just, <laughs> just moves through. Clouds can appear in it. Tons of stuff happens in it, yeah. Most people, when they describe the sky, they actually describe the clouds. Because you really can't describe the cloud. The sky is just a context. It's just a space that's holding and allowing everything to appear in it. Guess what? Why isn't that... We can acknowledge, let's say, that when we look at the sky. Why is it difficult to acknowledge it while we're looking here? It's the same event, in a way. This is space with a lot of things appearing in it. Unfortunately for some of us, the mind is identified with one of the clouds in this space. And so it's taking this to be real, so it has to make all the other clouds real. Yeah? And so a storm cloud has a huge importance to you. Because it can rain on your parade, so to speak. So now things become really important, and context gets, becomes unimportant. And what we're sorely in need of is the importance of context. But it's difficult, because if we entertained what's always happening, we would see what we believe is always happening, us, isn't. So the first defense that self-centeredness has is to block out the ability to acknowledge what's always happening. Because it's trying to run the story that it's what's always happening. If it saw the big honcho that's always happening, it would immediately, there would be a realization, hey, I'm not, I'm not, I don't got it going on, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> there would be freedom there. So it has to have a way of blocking that out. So do you notice every, you notice something that's always happening? No, you do not. We talk about it all the time. Who the hell has talked about gravity today, the effects of it? We you sitting at the cafe in Santa Cruz going, listening to someone talk about oh, gravity is really bothering my left shoulder. And you're going, yeah, it's bothering my right shoulder today. No one's talking about gravity, yet on a physical level, it's imposing a force on us all the time. Because it's imposing a force on us all the time, we don't notice it. We don't notice what's always so. Except we notice the thoughts that imply that we're always so. So, 
Without that epistle, we have this natural seeing is in place, because we are space, we are that. And I don't mean space as an inert nothingness. You know? I would never call nothingness inert. I would call nothingness a realm of unbelievable nothing. <laughs> That's the best something you'll ever <laughs> entertain. So, in this, this space of nothingness, you know, <clears throat> that's always going on, when that mind becomes identified with a product of the mental process, a mental process I like to call it selfing. Yeah? It's a verb. The mind is selfing. Selfing, 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 selfing. And in that selfing, it construes a sense, which means it combines a thought with a feeling, a sense of being a noun, yeah? a self. That's it. That's when the whole world changes for us. The verbing is going on, and in that verbing, there's a sense that there's a noun. So the noun arises. It doesn't really, but the assumption is that I am a Paul. And now, this noun claims everything else. That's its first move. Its first move when it comes into mental existence is to claim everything that proves existence. So, thinking, I'm thinking. Feeling, I'm feeling. Seeing, I'm seeing. Hearing, I'm hearing. Touching, I'm touching. Yeah? Problems, my problems. Time, my time. Body, my body. So, in that claiming, in some Buddhist terminology, I was just reading this Buddhist thing, where they describe Buddha saying that this is what happens. There's five sort of movements that create this existence, aggregates, right? Suppose like that. And every time one of those aggregates occurs, there's a sense that it's occurring. Now the mind reacts to that sense that it's occurring and it makes it that it's occurring as me or to me. It makes a slight little jump. And there's the self. And now the self claims everything so that life now becomes my life. Conscious contact is I'm in conscious contact, which is a big leap. Because conscious contact precedes the mental process. This conscious contact, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, the mental process arises a little bit later and goes, I'm seeing, I'm hearing, I'm feeling, I'm tasting, I'm touching. So the demonstration of beingness here gets claimed as I'm the one that's being. As soon as it becomes claimed, there's not an appreciation of that seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, all the interest and attention goes to who's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and a little bit gets sprinkled on what I'm seeing and hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, based on the meaning the who gives to those things. Little, yeah. So the who becomes the big enchilada, and in that position, it gives meaning to everything. That's what we do here. Yeah? The apparatus gives meaning to everything. And every meaning it gives to it is indirectly linked to giving a really big meaning to that. Yeah? So in some, in some circles, every way you interpret life from here is just a reflection of this mental here, of self. And it starts producing agitation, disease, discomfort. And it wants relief. So now it starts seeking to get out of the, the, the effects of self as a self. And this is the second dilemma, really. It isn't that we can't notice that something's off. It's what notices that something's off. It's been claimed by what's off. Yeah? So the, there is a, the alarm goes off and there's a recognition, hey, this, is a, this isn't working. Yeah? 
But what responds to the alarm is the problem, in a sense. It's the idea of being a self. So even when there's a dis-ease and a, and a discontentment in the system, the system has you locked in because you trying to get out of it is another form of being in the system. Because self obviously can't get out of self. How could a product of a mental process ever transcend that process and be something if it's just made up in that process? It only exists in that mental process. Yeah? Most animals and stuff that meet you aren't meeting you as a self when they come over to you. They're not. You're taking it as, the, oh, they love me. This is, no. They're not, there's no me they're loving in a sense. Yeah? It's just what's going on. <laughs> But <laughs> this thing will interpret everything based on it. You know? So self can't get out of self. So what would be the best way to get out of self? Realize you weren't in it. You know, to have the experience of what I think most people imply when they go, I was feeling like I was out of self that day. Being out of self would, is really, to me, the recognition I was never in self. That's what... I would say, is the experience of being out of self. I was never in self. There was never a self. Yeah? It's a verb. It's a verb that I'm conscious of. But if you thank God it's a verb that we're conscious of, instead of when we become conscious as that verb, we take ourselves to be a noun. That's what happens. The mind says, okay, this is who I am. And then everything gets <clears throat> interpreted and given meaning to from that point. Yeah? A self-centered point. So, extreme self-centeredness, you really look at everything as how it pertains to you. That's what happens. And the meaning that will be given through this is coming from a system called self-centeredness. There's not one novel meaning that will ever be given through you to something. It's all rote. It's all categorized. It's all structured. It's a very small, petty system. And it's let it's Let's say it's field of possibilities are very, very minimal. Maybe five possibilities. I will be saved. <laughs> I will be okay. Time is always involved in all of them. So you're never okay now. I will be okay. It's the best you can do in that. I will be saved because you need to be saved. Some fairy princess or the knight in shining armor will come and save me. Something. So we're hoping. Hoping is one of the big engines of that system. You hope. And hope is really a replacement for not receiving, not getting. Not. When something works, you don't need to have any hope on it. You have faith in it, yeah? But because the system doesn't work, it has spends all of, all of its attention and interest in advertising. Yeah? And you have to see, here's this little system of self-centeredness. Now what's funny, an awake mind can see it very clearly. Why doesn't a lot of other minds see it? If, a, if an awake mind sees it very clearly, and what, what happens is you realize it's a really lousy little system. It's appetizing, it's bogus. It couldn't convince anyone above two levels of coconut if it was on an objective level. It's not really the advertising or the what's it, how it's presenting itself. It's what's entertaining it that gives it its power. The mind that has become identified with this mental process has an incredible ability to entertain. And now, it's become identified as this idea of being a self, and all of that unbelievable ability to entertain, which is entertaining its own nature of space, 
now gets put into this little box of self-centeredness, and now every time, all the time, it's entertaining. It's entertaining as a self, which severely limits its entertaining. Yeah? So when it entertains peace now, it entertains peace as something I may get, but most likely never have. Yeah? When it is peace. This is freaking mind-boggling. So it's not the advertising that has any value. It's what's fallen for the advertising. The mind, let's say in Buddhism, they say the ordinary mind and light mind are the same mind. The mind, that enlightened aspect of mind, has become identified as a mental process which makes it sort of an ordinary mind. And so now, its ability to entertain is what's causing you to have a hell in the mental realm. It's, it's producing unbelievable, exquisite suffering for people. Yeah? Check it out. And the amazing thing, the suffering is really a crop from a field in what's not happening. <laughs> Which is an amazing miracle to work that. Really. Like Jesus brought that guy Lazarus back, supposedly. But Lazarus at least had been alive at one time. And then he died and then he was resurrected. Our mind is bringing up suffering from what's not happening. It never happened. I mean, we're, we're in a, like a total arid field, and we've got a big, huge crop of anxiety. That we're just, and we just go there. You don't go there. You don't hold the land with your hands. You don't oversee it with your eyes. You think. You don't think. The thinking makes it so. Why? Does the think, is the thinking that incredible? No. It's what's entertaining the thinking that's incredible. And it's the mind that's become identified with the mental process. That's why a mental process can be exquisite suffering. It can be held because what's entertaining, it can make it seem that way. So I'm just saying, well, I'm questioning, okay, what the whole center of this whole system is the idea of being a self, a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Am I that? If I'm not that... And even if just even if my mind starts entertaining it, first, all right, so here's the message, and there's the nail slot. It goes into Greg. And Greg looks at it, maybe gets you, and when first heard, it's usually very exciting to something. Not Greg, but to something. Of course, Greg claims it, grabs the invitation, looks at it, maybe comes for a while, and then realizes, hey, there's nothing here. I mean, shit. I don't do any meditation. I don't do anything. I'm not accruing any value. It's looks like I'm doing fucking nothing. Nothing's working. I'm not traveling lighter. So he throws it away. So there in the floor of, the, of that area, the mind may come upon it. The mind. Yeah, not the mind identifies. But the mind. And, go, and pick it up and go entertain. Hey, I'm not that. I'm not that self-centered system. Bingo. As soon as it does that, it entertains freedom from what? That. It can never entertain freedom as that, because freedom as that will be a goal that it will get, which will never occur, because it's already put in time. But it can entertain, I'm not that, and that's it. The mind now, just in a nanosecond, not even any time, expands to its normal size, because it never actually contracted to that other size. It just goes, I'm not that. Now your mind starts entertaining. So now it's not about, oh, I will be okay. No, later, I'm okay now. You have a sense of okayness. Not something that you'll get by doing and having, but you are. Ah, beautiful. Takes it all out of the whole system of doing and having and selfing, and it makes it an innate case or condition of your prior condition, which is space, sky. Yes? 
In the appearance of the chair, no space is lost. When the chair is removed, no space has to move in. It never, never changed the damn thing. There's just space. So mind here, contracted in this little point, it has to, it wants to be right in there. It wants to be special. Without being right, its whole world would spin out of control. Fuck. If I wasn't the cause of my situation or someone else wasn't, then why, whose life is it anyway? Mind tightly wound with a feeling of, yes, this is really me. I may not possibly be that, what? You'll hear a little sound. Your head popping out of your self's ass. Be <laughs> <laughs> <Pretty> simple. There's <coughs> so obsession, right, about something that's not happening. If some beautiful thing appears and grabs your attention, what happened to that thing that you were so concerned about? It's revealed as if that it wasn't happening, and there's no trace that it was even happening. You get it removed out of it in a split second, and there was nothing that you got removed out of because there was nothing that was going on. It wasn't happening. You just came to your senses. That's a sample of principles in that demonstration. Boom! Why keep it compartmentalized and try to write you as the relevant player of it? I did something for that to occur. No, you didn't. The mind popped out of the self's ass and entertained. It's entertained. Woo! house is on fire, don't listen to this message, get a pail of water, put it out, <laughs> fuck, don't try to put it out with this message, this is not a, a fire putter out of, it isn't, it's not meant to be used to put out a fire, though it is constantly used for that, it's, a, it's not meant to be used at all, it's, it's actually like in Taoism, it has no value, it's like the guy would talk about the, the ugly piece of wood will never be made into furniture. Hallelujah. In the woods world, that's a pretty big success. <laughs> so here we are. You can't use this message, really. You try it. People get disappointed in a year or two. They do. It's not working. They're still waiting to get it. They're still waiting. When is this going to... When, when's my hand going to be able to embrace the, the handle of it so I can wield it? Yes. When my girlfriend says, hey, you did something wrong. There's no fault. I'm like, no, no, no. I tried that. That wasn't working that well. Fuck you. Then you realize, hey, there's no way to grip this. It really has no value. That's its value. Mind doesn't care a shit about it. But then when your interest and attention leaves that preoccupation with the self thing, where does it go? You never lose interest and attention. You just lose it in certain things. So, let's say the self thing, your interest and attention is addicted to it because the mind's become identified as it. Obviously. So it's interest and tension is going through what it's identified as. Now, we recognize I'm not that. The interest and tension gets withdrawn. Where does it go? Who knows? You'll see by your living. <laughs> Literally. That's the ever, ever, ever moment cue is interest and attention. Just, what I notice is 
It has plenty of interest and attention to attend to and be interested in the things here, and tons of it to rest in its nature. It's attention, or awareness, let's say. And in that resting in its nature, it's the same mind that in recovery we call, when it's totally absorbed in self, called obsession with self. It's the same mind's attention, but now it's abiding in truth. It's the same movement. It just has a whole different effect if it's obsessing over this, which is attention. All it is is attention given over to self. is called obsession because you get caught up in thoughts. Yeah? The same attention, if you see yourself as the space, let's say, that attention would be called abiding in truth. That attention rests. Yeah? It just lays flat on the surface of awareness and rests on it, almost like a full body embrace. Yeah? Spreads out. Instead of fear, tensions on each thought. Thought. Getting more thought. Yeah? Like spawning. Spawning. A giant spawning fest. About what's not happening. With feelings combining it. Oh, it's just like spinning a reality. And it's exquisite suffering. Look at it. I watch people's faces. Their faces are possessed. I saw a guy who went out the other night in recovery. He was sitting in this meeting on Thursday, and his face was possessed. I could see the beast inside of him, the parasite of the mind. The mind, when you're identified as a self, you are open to a lot of parasitical minds. One of them is alcoholism, but there's tons of them. They just latch onto that steering wheel, and they drive you, and everything that they express through you, you'll call it yours. Just identify as it. You won't even recognize it. It has nothing to do with you. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy stuff. So, <laughs> hallelujah! I think it's really good news. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about it the other day. I was talking about it earlier. I was involved in this Course in Miracles thing once. And uh, on Sunday, we'd have a meeting at the Course in Miracles place. And there was people from all around the world, but very few, like maybe 150 or so. And then there was these churches, and you'd go by the churches' parking lots on the way over, and there would be cars sprinkled here and there. Yeah? And then there was cars sprinkled. You could see in the distance the Course in Miracles parking lot. But the casino was packed. <laughs> Sunday morning, thousands of cars coming in and out at like 9.30, 10 in the morning. <laughs> See, if there was an urge to be free, and it was commandeered by a system called self-centeredness, and that urge to be free would be directed at its symbols of what it thinks is freedom. Yeah? That noble urge to be free in this mental realm can look like addictions. You know? The urge is there. The movement is there. It's being directed, let's say, to the wrong location. Yeah? That's what selfing does. It symbolizes what we think is peace and freedom or making it and creates little false temples and then you try to worship at them, and they're always closed, in a sense. So we're all worshiping at closed temples, running around looking for something that's actually what's looking at that moment. Yeah. Yet to speak to that mind, and to inform them, or suggest, or invite, 
can be met with a lot of resistance because the mind, even though there's no real payoff, it really wants to be right about what it thinks is freedom you know, and peace and stuff. Even though it's not translating, actually, it becomes dogmatic, you know, and then it's right and wrong, and then it's a blind faith that causes violence. Any questions today?